Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Now to a really significant issue today, a dynamic that's been underway for some time, you'd hardly not notice it. But in other ways, it's really snuck up on our society, and all of a sudden, in the words of my next guest, billboards dominate public space with hyper-sexualised messages. Buses are painted with semi-naked women. There are pole-dancing themes in shop fronts, pornographic magazines, next to the lollies at the petrol station counter, Playboy bunnies on everything from girls' jewellery to doona covers. Children are absorbing distorted messages about their bodies, sexuality and gender roles. They're the words of Melinda Tankard-Reese, a relentless campaigner about the public sexualization of children. We're keen for your feedback on this significant issue tonight. My guess is you have noticed it, probably been disturbed by it. Maybe it's been an issue or a conversation in your family. Maybe you're a teen or you're a parent of a teen who feels an increasing and impossible pressure, in Melinda's words, living in a world saturated by sex, leaving young people with distorted views of their bodies, sexuality and gender roles. We're up for an open house conversation on this, one three hundred forty twenty twenty. Just recently, for instance, Victoria's Secret launched a new underwear campaign targeting teenagers. Slogans like, Call me and I dare you on garments meant for young girls. How does that leave you feeling? Is there anything that can be done about it? Melinda Tankard-Reist is an author, speaker and media blogger, commentator and advocate for women and girls. Melinda, welcome to Open House. A pleasure to be with you, Lee. It's great to have you with us. Melinda, you call this a 21st century version of Mirror Mirror on the Wall. Explain what you mean there. I was referring there to specific online competitions where girls are encouraged to post images of themselves and then be judged. So they're inviting online scrutiny and judgment purely on their physical appearance. They're asking, am I hot or not? Am I pretty or ugly? And even girls as young as 11 have posted YouTube, YouTube clips and sent images from through Instagram asking these questions and so girls aren't being assessed for their gifts, their abilities, their uh, desire to make a difference in the world, their spirituality or values. They're purely being ranked and judged on the basis of physical appearance, uh, in particular sexual attractiveness. Although that's nothing new, people being judged on appearance. I mean Hollywood's been doing it for generations. It's much more widespread and it's much more uh, targeting now younger and younger girls. Girls are having body image issues at ages never before seen. We have one in a hundred girls anorexic, one in ten bulimic. We have eight and nine-year-olds being hospitalised as a result of disordered eating. We have an incredible increase in self-harm rates in girls, a 90% increase in older adolescents self-harming, a 60% increase in younger adolescents self-harming. We have one in four girls wanting to have plastic surgery and all the global literature tells us that these negative physical and mental health outcomes are connected with this habitual body monitoring with a culture that tells girls you're merely the sum of your sexual parts that nothing else counts there's nothing else important about you so yes uh, we've always engaged in that shallow behavior but this is encompassing uh, girls at, at rates never before seen you describe them as a target Mm. Who's targeting them? 
advertisers, corporations, uh, marketers who are wanting to expand their market, are wanting to get girls loyal to their brands from the earliest of ages, uh, treating little girls as mini adults, as uh, just small versions of, of women, really. Uh, girls are being posed and styled in advertising uh, as, as adult women, uh, inviting us to see them as much older than they really are, as well as being directly uh, targeted with uh, products that even a few years ago wouldn't have been suitable for them. So why are they... The young girls particularly are targeting this, that that has been such a change. It's all to do with market expansion. There was a major conference of, of advertisers and corporations in America a few years ago where they analysed studies done even of babies to see how they could market to babies. And what they did was they wow. studied the drool of babies. They studied the dribble that comes out of a baby's mouth and they, they noticed that the babies like to watch the dribble and where it landed. And so they figured that if they could put their low Logo right on the, the baby's clothing where the dribble stopped, uh, they could get that brand oh. into the baby's head from the yes. earliest of ages. So, uh, you know, this is part of a, um, a global multinational move on, on babies, children and, uh, and young people. Is it only advertising where this is being played out? No, look, this is uh, happening across, across the culture, uh, clothes, toys, games, uh, music videos, billboards girls' magazines, uh, all of them sending girls and boys distorted messages about their bodies, their relationships, their sexuality, their value and worth. Um, this, is, this is happening across the culture. I call it a, the pornification of culture and it's, it's contributing to an unprecedented assault on the healthy sexual development of our, our young people, uh, particularly the spread of pornography uh, average age of first exposure to porn is 11 years old and uh, the kids are seeing torture porn, rape porn, sadism, incest porn and they think this is normal sex. Leaving aside advertising other corporations, do you think child sexualisation, as you term it, has grown with the rise and rise of social media? Oh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, social media uh, has contributed to girls seeing themselves uh, only in sexual terms and to boys seeing girls in those ways as well. Uh, one of the most common expressions of that is uh, the phenomenon known as sexting, uh, where girls especially are uh, pressured to send a sexual image of themselves. Uh, one in five girls have reported being pressured to send sexual images. And, of course, these can end up um, being spread everywhere and... There was a study done by the Internet Watch Foundation that found a staggering 88% of sexual images posted by young people uh, online or through social media ended up permanently embedded on pornographic websites. So there's no such thing as online privacy. It was, it was a, an staggering study uh, that showed where these images end up. And so girls get a message that they have to be on display, they have to attract sexual attention, and they live in a culture that rewards exhibitionism. And tragically, even 10 and 11-year-old girls now are engaging these behaviours and not fully understanding or comprehending what the outcomes could be. And boys also aren't aware that if they take an image of an underage girl and distribute it, they can be charged uh, with creating and distributing child pornography and end up on the child sex offender register. And again, they often have no idea of what the law says in this area. I know you are far from a voice in the wilderness 
about this because there's a lot of concern. There's mounting concern among parents and community leaders about this very thing. So what can be done? There is a global uprising against the commercialisation, commodification and sexualisation of children and young people. And in Australia, Collective Shout for a World Free of Sexploitation has really led the way. So what we say is that uh, we need to act personally and act politically. So parents need to decide not to bind the culture, not to to buy this rubbish for their children. Uh, And then they need to act politically. Our regulatory bodies and governments have entirely failed to help us in our role as parents. They've let us down, they've offloaded their ethical obligations to citizens. You know, we have discovered so many failures in the system with the, with the self-regulatory model, with the classification board, which has failed to stop illegal pornography ending up in corner stores and milk bars. We've found thousands of illegal titles. The system is completely broken. You know, we have an election coming up and we've been urging people, contact their MPs, contact their candidates and say, ask them what they are going to do about this. Um, This is having diabolical, uh, negative physical, mental, emotional health outcomes for our young people. Uh, If we don't act now, we're going to have massive blowouts in the health budget in the future, particularly with treating children who have been prematurely exposed to pornography and are acting out sexually on other children. So if people want to get involved, if they want to be part of a new grassroots movement against this, uh, please, if they could visit collectiveshout.org and also our Collective Shout Facebook and my website, melindatankhardrest.com. We run campaigns pretty much every day and we help people to know the best way to make a complaint and to be effective in a collective way. We're putting the details up on our Open House Community Facebook page. For a parent who's listening, who's had this on their radar, but perhaps not to the extent that you're now unveiling for us, Mm. two questions. What does that parent say to a young girl, and for that matter, a young boy as well? Well, I think we need to help our kids to recognise their true value and worth. Uh, We need to do the obvious things like having the computer in a public place in the house, Uh, taking the mobile phones off them at at night but having conversations with them unpacking the messages that they see you know finding those teachable moments so they see an inappropriate ad they see something inappropriate on on tv um, they notice a sexual slogan on on clothing in a department store you know unpack it have that conversation and praise them for things other than their appearance so often girls are praised for how they look even in the family home uh, rather than say how well they did on their maths test Um, help them recognize that help them to engage with their communities get them out of this country it's one of the best things i did was take my kids overseas uh, to a developing country and help them to see that they can make a contribution in the world. But I don't just put it on parents because I think it's too hard. It takes a village to raise a child. This needs a whole-of-community approach. By the sound of it, you'll have to start these conversations younger and younger. We are forced to have conversations with our children at ages that we would actually have preferred not to. Mm. But if we don't have those conversations with our kids, someone else is. And it may be not be someone who shares uh, the same concerns and uh, desires and values for our, our children. 
So sadly, yes, particularly on uh, pornography, a lot of parents say to me, oh, my kid wouldn't go looking for pornography. Well, your kid doesn't have to go looking for it. It will find them. Uh, pornographers have set up entire websites based on children's most popular cartoon characters. They've also studied the kind of mistakes children make when they type search terms into search engines and send them directly to porn sites based on those common keystroke errors. So pornography will find your children, I hate to tell you. Uh, so you have to have these conversations and uh, do everything you can to um, help them to navigate that. But, you know, it's a tough job and that's again why we need help from governments and regulatory bodies who have completely let us down, particularly in regard to internet filtering. What are the conversations parents need to have with their boys? Yeah, well, boys need to understand that girls uh, don't just exist for their sexual gratification and pleasure because uh, boys are being raised in a very brutalised culture, a culture that encourages them to see girls as only good for one thing. Uh, we need boys to, to recognise that uh, girls <laughs> deserve a lot better and that boys are also being mistreated by this, by this culture by shaping and distorting their views of sexuality, by inducing them into uh, porn culture and giving them a calloused view of sexuality that's stripped of connection and, and intimacy and that sees girls as only sexual service stations uh, for boys. Uh, boys need good role models, they need good male role models they need to see the way their father treats uh, their mother with, uh, with respect. They need to be, you know, we have, we have such a drastic shortage of good role models in this culture for boys to look up to, you know. Yes. Celebrities, sports stars. Yeah, we, we need to just try to help boys to, 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 be, to be decent men, to be, to be good men, to be men of honour. And that's a massive problem. And I'm increasingly realised we can't have happy, healthy, resilient girls if we don't have a few more, a few more good boys. You know, I speak in girls' schools and boys' schools, and I have, there are boys that do want to do the right thing. They recognise sure. this culture is sick and toxic to them, uh, but they need, they need some support and they need some help because it's very difficult to go against that you know, dominant cultural um, mould. Melinda, you're such a passionate campaigner on this and so well known. What fires you up to keep <laughs> going on this? Well, uh, the main thing, I think, is uh, this global uprising, but it's also, as well, hearing from girls, especially, pretty much every day. Uh, for example, I had a girl write to me from a public high school in Sydney, and she was 15 years old, and she said, uh, uh, before I heard you speak, I thought that I had to get breast implants because I have small breasts and I was teased for them. I thought that I had to starve myself to lose weight and I thought that I had to have sex by the time I was 16. You know, I've realised now that I don't have to do any of those things, that I can make my own choices and uh, look after myself, respect myself and, uh, you know, do what I think is best for myself. And so getting a few letters like that, Hearing from women who say that, you know, at last uh, they, they feel they've found a home with Collective Shout, this is the movement they've been looking for. A lot of people feel isolated. They feel, oh, if I complain, you know, am I just one person? Is there something wrong with me? But now they say they feel braver. Uh, they feel strengthened to make a complaint because they know that they're backed by thousands of others who feel the same way. So I suppose they're three of the things that would... Uh, Help me to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> I'm glad you do, and all power to you. And we'll put, as I said, the details of Collective Shout on your Facebook page up on our Open House Community Facebook page. We'd really appreciate that, Lee. Thanks so Linda much. Linda Tankard-Reese, thank you so Pleasure. much. Good on you. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.